This episode is brought to you by my good friends at Huzo. Huzo is an acronym for human sound. Huzo delivers uniquely enhanced human toning sounds through headphones as well as through pads placed on your major acupuncture meridians on your body, which are your wrist and your ankles, thereby introducing a specific modulated frequency that are balancing and harmonizing throughout your body. One session takes about 30 minutes, and during that time, a strange series of tones create a natural resonance in your body that Huzo claims counteracts the harmful EMFs, toxins, and stresses you are exposed to during the day or just normal living, all while balancing the body, leaving you with a clear head, improved health, better sleep, and the feeling of calmness and well-being. You can try one at www.thisishuzo.com slash rebel. Use the code rebel25 to save $25. The folks at Huzo even have a great payment solution for you with terms up to 12 months. Check it out. I highly recommend this machine. It has changed my life and calmed me out. Thank you and enjoy this episode. So a lot of people look at macros and they're super intimidated. They just think science numbers and they're like, peace out. I don't want to hear about it. But if anyone has ever tracked calorie intake, if anybody has ever followed a meal plan that had like a calorie cap on it, people have tracked macros and not even known it. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Well, 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 welcome to episode number 114. Yes, folks, today's guest, I have Eve Guzman. Eve is an internationally acclaimed nutritionist, business coach, public speaker, and people magazine, half their size ambassador. She has lost over 150 pounds through exercise and her macro nutrition philosophy going from obese to nationally qualified figure competitor. She is a founder of G Transformation Academy, which aims to help women ditch fad diets and lose weight without feeling restricted. She also teaches personal trainers and health coaches how to grow their business and maximize their clients' results through macro mentorship program. She is determined to bring more diversity to this space through her experience with intersectionality through her life. In this episode, we are going to dive into macronutrients and how to lose weight using macros. I hope you enjoy this episode and make it a great day. Eve Guzman, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach podcast this afternoon. How are you today? I am really good. I'm excited to be here. I'm glad to have you. You've got quite a story. And we have a little bit in common because I lost 
about 140 pounds myself, but I didn't go into the figure competition. And I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little old for the figure competition these days. Although I was at a competition recently in, in Atlanta here. And uh, I, they have a division for us old guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was kind of interesting to see us old, the old guys up there. Anyway, congrats on the accomplishment. Thank you. And how did People Magazine find out about this accomplishment? And how that's quite a f- feature they did on half, half their size. Yeah, so they ended up featuring me um, in their half their size issue. And then I did go on to do like a couple of other like body confidence and like nutrition awareness campaigns. I did um, one year blogging with them with my journey from, you know, losing initially that half my body size weight, was which was about 138 pounds. And then my journey to doing figure competitions, getting on stage where my total loss was 158 pounds. Wow. But they found me through Instagram and social media just by tagging them. And that was because I created my Instagram account to really just be like a portfolio or a diary or an accountability diary of me trying to get to the half my size point once I had lost about 100 pounds. And so as I was like losing with the last 38 or 40, I was documenting it on Instagram you know, making it public because I felt like, well, if I proclaimed it and made it public and I said that I'm going to do it and people were watching me, I was like, maybe I'll finally lose the last 40 and get to the goal. So I used it as a way to hold myself accountable. Um, No one was really following me. I mean, I had like 25 followers. No one was even paying attention. But every single post I did, I was tagging People Magazine and then using the hashtag half uh, my size. So if you look up that hashtag, you'll see that I've got like, I don't know, two, three thousand posts with that hashtag. But I did that for nine months and then they found me. Nice, nice. So let's go into a little bit about who you are and what the catalyst well, obviously, the losing the weight yourself was the catalyst for you getting into this health and wellness realm. Mm-hmm. And you have a little background in biological science, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So let's so, go into all that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So my background is in science, primarily molecular biology, genetics, and microbiology. So that's what I, what I originally went to school to do. Even before that, I wanted to be a doctor, but then the idea of being in school for 12 years kind of freaked me out. I had my first kid with my husband when I was, you know, 19, 20. I was a sophomore in college, but I was on track to go to, to medical school. But instead, I went the route of medical laboratory science. So I did like a one-year internship after I, you know, finished my undergrad degree, which was in molecular biology and minoring in biochemistry. I started working for a a pharmaceutical research company, and I was doing that while, you know, 100 plus pounds overweight, but that's initially what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't want to do any nutrition coaching. I didn't want to do figure competitions. I didn't want to be a teacher, a motivator. Um, I didn't want to be a source of inspiration. I just wanted to go in the lab and just do science, and that's initially what I thought I was going to do. But the catalyst for everything nutrition and fitness, which is my entire life now, um, was from me losing the weight. Okay. Okay. And that was kind of my path as well. I don't, 
this is about you, but I, I just, I, I wanted to know more. What is stopping us from losing weight? And so I just kept going to school. And I still go to school just to keep learning because it's I love learning. So we're in a kind of a weird situation here. The last year has been crazy. We're a year and a year and a month into this thing, and we've got Rona weight. There's all kinds of hashtags: Rona weight, COVID fifteen, quarantine eighteen. And you know as well as I do that losing weight is not an easy task, and being overweight is hard. Mm-hmm. So you have to choose your hard here. Absolutely. So I get asked this a lot: Where should I start, Tom? Believe there's a lot of diets on the market, and we'll get into that, but. I know some of the things that I work with are like number. First of all, you have to make your why big enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, and then I go down some other areas like sleep and pooping. Are you, you know, those are the two big ones. Are you sleeping mm-hmm. enough? Are you pooping enough? And it's amazing how many people come back with no, I'm not getting enough sleep and not pooping enough. You know. But anyway, where should somebody start? So where I recommend everyone to start, and and this was also like the catalyst for me being able to take like those first steps is like tracking your food intake, because to get somewhere, to make changes, to pivot, to create a program, a plan, start on one, you have to know like what you're working with and where you're currently at. And one of the biggest places that is holding people back from like getting to their goal body composition or their weight or, you know, beating diabetes and lowering blood pressure is typically what they're eating. You know, fitness is important too. That's like the next step in the wheel of really getting things moving, but really starting to hold your account yourself accountable and being aware of what you're eating is major. So I discovered I was an overeater and over consumer. Most of my foods were like fast food meals. Um, I was eating a double cheeseburger from McDonald's, two of them every day from the value menu and a value size French fry every day for almost three to four years. Wow! And that was just one meal. So that was like my go-to comfort meal, um, especially when I was in college. Like I had to have it. It was like $3.15. Cheap for a college student. I loved it. Comfort food. But I was also having, you know, um, Snickers bars and hot Cheetos and eating fried potatoes and fried chicken and you know, sausage links and things with cheese and mayonnaise and butter, like all the stuff that tastes good. But I was consuming way more calories than I needed to just maintain my weight. And so that's why my weight had gotten so high and I was almost 300 pounds. And so there's a lot of people that do go, well, I think I eat pretty good, but it really takes you looking at what you're consuming to see like where are the extra calories coming from. And even when you're eating clean and you're like, I, I do whole foods, I do clean foods, I prep my stuff, it's all from home. And I eat, you know, brown rice and I eat chicken breasts and I eat, you know, avocado and whole wheat um, bread and multi-grain bread. You can even be clean eating but how big are the portions and are you consuming more than your body needs? Um, Because like, you know, the kick right now is like avocado is like the best and healthy fat. And sometimes I see people on Instagram saying they eat a whole avocado a day, but you don't necessarily need that much. So it really comes down to food quality and quantity, but to really know where you're at, you've got to sit down either pen or paper, which is where I started 
or use MyFitnessPal or some type of tracking app, but like add everything up a normal day. Don't even change a thing and really see like what you're actually eating every day. Okay. Okay. I'll agree 100% with that too. You know, and you have to be consistent at it too. I'd like to add that, but it's not an easy path. And it's a lot of people, especially with the times we're in, you hit, hit the nail on the head. It becomes a comfort, a comfort thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, now there's a lot of stuff coming out about obesity and insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes being part of the reason you get COVID. So now people are going, okay, wait, you know, I know the media hasn't caught on yet, but they're catching on. It's coming, hopefully, yeah. mm-hmm. knock on wood. But let's, before we get into the different types of diets and then into macros, let's talk about some elephants in the room. First of all, the scale. We, we all like to measure ourselves to see how we're progressing, but it does become an elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on scales? Because they can lie and they can be deceiving and they can set us back. So what are some of the positives and negatives of having a scale and you're measuring yourself? Oh, this is a great question because I just did a post about this two days ago. So, you know, even for my personal self, the coaches that are on my team and the clients that we're coaching one-on-one, I weigh myself. We have our clients weigh themselves, but it's only one, you know, factor in measuring progress. So, you know, when it comes down to like the pros and the cons, um, like the pros, it is giving you a number to work with. You know where you're starting, you know where your body mass is changing. Um, you also also have scales that do give you like water mass, bone mass, um, you know, fat percentage, all of that stuff. But you have to also know that even though you've got these fancy scales out there that, you know, are as much as like 100, 150, $200, um, they are using statistical data to predict what your body fat percentage is. So it's not the end all be all. It's not the concrete number of like who you are as a person, um, but it does give you a place to see where your weight is changing when you're really looking at calorie consumption, calories going in and calories going out. But because it's just one measure of progress, you've got to look at everything else. So even for myself and for our clients, they're not only weighing themselves, we're tracking their calorie intake, we're tracking fiber intake, what's the average for the week, what is your water consumption like, um, how often are you going to the bathroom, is it multiple times a day, has it been five days, stress, sleep, activity, and then the other physical things that kind of go in the way of people really looking at the scale weight and chasing, you know, whatever this number is they've made up in their mind is, are you taking your photos and your measurements? So when it comes to like the physical piece, you should be weighing and then taking measurements and then taking photos. And even for most of our clients, the best measure has really been the photos and even how their clothes feel. Because the weight, again, it gives you like a mile marker of where you're at, where are things changing. 
But, you know, you can have two people, twins for exist, you know, for example, that are both 5'8 and 160 pounds. They're going to look completely different because what if one twin is like lifting three to five days per week? They're eating well-balanced meals. They're getting fiber, water. They're sleeping well. That twin might have 20% body fat at 160-ish pounds or whatever, but their identical twin may have completely different habits. It's completely different, you know, habits when it comes to like activity and food. Maybe they're eating the double cheeseburger and French fry every single day, but their body fat percentage could be 38%. And they still can be the same weight. Even for example, like with myself, I have been 140 pounds at a size two, and I've been 140 pounds at a size 12. And so the weight can essentially get to the point where it doesn't matter if your body mass makeup is changing, meaning muscle is going up, which is going to take up less space on your body because the density is different, and then your fat mass is going down. Um, So the cons are like getting caught up in, if I'm only looking at the scale, I'm not changing. If I didn't take my photos and I didn't take my measurements, I wouldn't see the difference in me being 140 pounds in a size 10 versus 140 pounds at a size two. So when people start to only chase the scale weight, they really start to discredit all the other non-scale victories that they're having. It does set you back. It has a tendency to set you back mind-wise in your head. Yes. Yep. Especially if you're chasing this number that you've been like after for five or six years. For me, it used to be 128 pounds. And I'm 5'1", so that is like a decent size for me being so little. I was chasing and chasing that number. But when I got there, I didn't even like what I looked like. Um, That was because I was flabby. I didn't have enough muscle mass. I wasn't lifting. And so um, when I got to that weight, I was like, well, what do I do now? So it set me back even when I got to that specific number. Okay. Okay, good point too. There's another, there's a couple more elephants in the room I want to get out of the way before we dive in, but let's talk about you. Calories in, calories out concept because that that's mm-hmm. that can be deceiving in just as much as a scale. Yep. So could you expand on that part for a bit for us? Yeah, so when it comes to like your weight changing, whether you're trying to maintain weight, gain weight or lose weight, it usually comes down to two things. And the first one is what most people know is like the first law of thermodynamics, which is like calories in versus calories out. Meaning if you eat exactly what your body needs, typically you'll maintain your weight. If you're eating more than you need, the scale weight will go up, you start to gain. And then if you're eating less than what your body needs to maintain weight, you'd be in a deficit or on a diet and you would, you know, theoretically lose weight. Um, All of that math typically works out, but then the wrench that kind of gets thrown into things, which is like the second factor of weight maintenance is hormonal balance. And so you can be in a um, deficit that's super deep. Let's say your maintenance calories are 2,800, but you're eating 1,500 calories every day. You can get to a point hormonally that you've been so low in calories and in a deficit so deep that your um, energy output is starting to match your energy intake. 
And so when people get really caught up in 1200 calorie diet is the best, 1500 calorie diet is the, the best, you also have to take your hormones into play and really look at, is your body in a place hormonally that it feels comfortable to lose weight? So it's not always about slashing calories, eating low, eating the least amount of calories isn't always the best route to go. Um, And so when people start looking at, okay, I'm eating this much less a day, my Apple watch says I burned this and they're chasing the calorie numbers, it can actually sometimes in more cases do more harm than good. Yep, exactly. Speaking of hormones, you deal with a, a majority of your business as females. Yep. So men are easy. We've yes. got like two, two <laughs> or three dials. Yeah. W- women are like a stereo or with equalizer where you have all these dials to get the sound right. Right. So in dealing with women, and you just brought mentioned hormones, so I want that's why I brought this up. But let's talk about that aspect of it for females because if if something's wrong with your hormones and your postmenopausal, pre-perimenopausal, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. That opens up a whole different ball game of weight loss and weight gain. Absolutely. So how do you address that in your business? Yeah, so it's it's definitely completely different. Um, I've seen it firsthand. So I've lost 158 pounds. My husband, who was one of my first male clients years ago, I was coaching him. He lost 125 pounds and it was a completely different journey. Um, It's much easier for men to lose weight, maintain it when they're being consistent, get it off if they regain some. But with women, it's so multifaceted that any little tiny change can really disrupt their hormones in a major way. And that really comes down to like your adrenal glands. It's also going to come down to like estrogen all the metabolites of estrogen, progesterone, and then especially leptin and ghrelin, which Mm. which control your hunger levels and the rate at which your body burns body fat. Um, Men can can typically do more strenuous exercise, go without more sleep, cut calories faster and deeper, and then hormonally just be like an A+. Um, And continue to lose weight, go farther, longer, harder with women three weeks in, they can stop losing weight right away. I mean, it's almost like a waiter balancing, um, you know, a couple of platters that have different plates and shapes and stuff on side, on each side, and they're standing on one toe. Um, It's extremely sensitive. And one of the biggest things that happens with women when they stop losing weight is they've usually done too many things too aggressively all at once, like early in the game. And then their body basically says, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing anything else. And they start to hit resistance, which is usually metabolic adaptation. Definitely a different beast. So we try to make sure all of our women are eating as many calories as possible, even if the goal is losing weight um, and going very slow in the adjustments, the changes to calories, the changes to cranking up cardio in the way of days and minutes. Um, But we've got to look at all the biofeedback twice as hard as when I coach men. Um, So the sleep has got to be on point. Water's got to be on point. Keeping stress down because they can do everything right but if the hormones are out of whack, then they're not going to see any progress. Right, right. Now, here's another elephant before we move on. Is if you Google diets and 
Dr. Google is really good at this. You're going to see a lot of stuff come up. Yeah, some scary stuff too. <laughs> yeah, especially quick, the quick weight loss drugs, like drink this, you'll lose this. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff pops up. So there's a couple diet, ketogenic, I want to know your thoughts on a couple things. First of all, fat weight, these fat weight loss gimmicks that are out there because they're everywhere in every right. magazine, including People magazine. Mm-hmm. There, When you're in an aisle at the grocery store, and by the, checking out, it's all, it, most of the magazines have something about quick weight loss on them. So your thoughts on quick weight loss and your thoughts on ketogenic diet, which is another huge fad right now. Yeah. So quick uh, weight loss diets, I've probably done 70% of them. So I definitely don't sit on a pedestal when I like talk about nutrition and coaching and our clients. I've done all the low carb, the no carb. I've done liquid diet. I've tried like the hydroxy cut. I even did, oh, what was that one? Al and I, I can't remember what it, Ally, Ally. It was horrible. I did all of those things. Um, And so I definitely speak from experience and science. So the quick uh, weight loss fad diets are exactly that. They're quick and the weight typically comes right back on. And then usually they gain more back than what they started. So if you lose 15 pounds in three weeks, usually a month after they stop doing whatever that restriction is, they might be 20 pounds up. So I've learned through a lot of market research you know, us coaching thousands of women and myself that sustainable is the route to go. And you almost have to ask yourself, if I can't do this forever, or if it's like medically unsafe, should I be doing it? And if the answer is no, more than likely that quick bad diet is going to result in the weight coming back on. Um, And then keto, I have lots of thoughts about keto. So I am definitely anti-keto. That is definitely my take on um, the keto diet, mostly because most people cannot do it forever. Again, looking at a diet, can you go without donuts and pasta and bread and croissants and whatever, you know, whatever your like guilty pleasure is with carbs? If you can't go without it for a year, more than likely the keto diet won't be the best choice for you. Because all in all, at the end of the day, most diets work because there's a calorie deficit. Um, As long as you can do it and it is sustainable and healthy, it'll definitely be a good choice for you. But I am typically anti-keto because most people are gonna want carbs at some point. And it has also been shown in lots of recent research studies that going both low carb and low calorie does down-regulate your thyroid. And so a lot of people that have done the keto diet who have found it sustainable do have a lot of metabolic adaptation, regaining of weight, thyroid issues, loss of hair, inability to uh, maintain body temperature. I mean, the list goes on because they're not getting enough carbohydrates for the T3 conversion in their thyroid. Um, So even though they've been able to do it and they liked it, they're having a lot of health effects happen after the fact. Yeah. Preach. I like that because I I feel the same exact way. I I mean, yeah, I'm not. We're not even going to go into keto because I want to dive into what you. Your, I, I personally, I use more of a Mediterranean paleo. I think Mark Hyman just did wrote a book on the pagan diet. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But we're going to dive into macros because 
I really enjoy reading about macros. That's why I enjoyed your website so much is because it really does make your website and your post on Instagram make macros easier. Yep. Because macros isn't, <laughs> macros is not an easy science per se, and it confuses a lot of people. So let's dive in. Let's talk about macros, why you like it so much, and, and basically what are macros? Got it. Yeah. So macros, the reason why, you know, I personally love them as a user of macro tracking and for coaching is because it's so sustainable. And no matter someone's food preferences, health conditions, like anyone can do macro tracking. Um, So they can have a preference, whether it's palate wise for like a paleo or Mediterranean type of way of eating, or maybe that's best for like their blood sugar levels, other health conditions they have, but you can be plant-based, you can be a meat eater, you can only eat, you know, seafood and dairy. You can want to switch to doing paleo, switch in, switch out, but everyone does have a place with macro tracking because it's basically science-based nutrition. And it ends up setting the foundation of your calorie requirements per day, your protein, your carbs, and your fats, no matter the way that you choose to eat, or even if your physician or health coach advises you to eat. Um, But it gives you the framework to get you know, both those calorie categories in and also making sure that your food consumption is balanced so that you're getting the micronutrients in, which are going to be your vitamins and your minerals. That way you've got that diversity when it comes to your food choices so that you're getting all of the other stuff that help with your health. So a lot of people look at macros and they're super intimidated. They just think science numbers and they're like, peace out. I don't want to hear about it. But if anyone has ever tracked calorie intake, if anybody has ever followed a meal plan that had like a calorie cap on it, people have tracked macros and not even known it because calories are macros and macros are calories. And so you're really just changing the lens of viewing calories adding up per day and now looking at your protein, carbs, and fats adding up and having a specific goal you hit each day. What about, let's dive in. I have tracking down the list here, but let's see, you mentioned tracking. Mm -hmm. Because I think this is where, like, my fitness pal is what I use, but my fitness pal can be very deceiving as kind of like along with the scale, you know, because it's not the, it's not the greatest tracker, but it's one thing I like about my fitness pal is if you eat something over and over again, you can, it's the same. You Mm -hmm. can, you know, and I have a tendency to be a, tend to be a creature or habit. And I think a lot of us are that we find our food that we jam with mm-hmm. and we stick with it. You know, like chicken breast, for example, and yeah. how to make a chicken breast. So you can add your own meals into MyFitnessPal, which I really like. But there's other trackers out there. Which For tracking macros, what is the best way for somebody to do macros and track them? So your top apps are going to be MyFitnessPal is actually my favorite one because the library of food choices right. for you know grocery store items and restaurants are the best. They've definitely had to you know up create an upgraded version with the, the Premier or whatever it is the Premier or the VIP option of making it more macro friendly, but it's allowed them to make money to keep 
continuing to update this huge database, um, which is going to cost people about $79 per year. So that one is a really good one. Chronometer is another newer, ma- newer you know, macro-based app that will allow you to tweak the macro numbers without paying for an upgrade, but the database is smaller. Um, LifeSum is another good app if you like seeing like little infographics of the food, kind of, you know, cuter looking because you've got the little cartoon pictures of the apple, the banana, the chicken, um, and things like that. And then the other one, Macros Plus, that is another app that's pretty good. But again, to have more of the functionality, I think it's like an upgrade of eight or $10 per month. Those are going to be your top four ones. Um, Macros Plus and MyFitnessPal are going to have the biggest databases. And there are a lot of like smaller tech companies that are making their own um, macro tracking apps. A lot of them have originated from other macro and health coaches. And then a lot of those ones are good. The databases are just smaller. Um, MyFitnessPal has the biggest global reach. And so their database has been the biggest one. Right. And my fitness pal has been in the game a long time. Oh, yes. Yeah. They've been in the game. Yeah. Yeah. Paper and pen to my fitness pal. Yeah. I started with my fitness pal in 2007. So, yep. And and their database has probably grown exponentially since then. Mm -hmm. So, that's my go to. I'm shocked. (laughs) Right. 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 Well, because it allows user inputs for their database, too. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, you get a lot of people that geek out on putting stuff on something. So they'll add it to like, oh, I found something new that's not on there. And then they add it. And it's mm-hmm. great because it's somebody else has done the work. So I, I'm a big MyFitnessPal freak. So I want to talk about the macros, the protein, carbohydrate, and the fat division. What, how, what do you work on? When it comes to the actual macros, one, you have to first get into the space um, of calculating how many calories you need to eat per day. Um, because macros should be based off of your weight, your goals, and then your you know calorie consumption goals because they're going to be lower, of course, if you're losing weight, a little bit higher if you're maintaining, and then definitely higher if you're trying to bulk, put on weight, put on muscle, and then actually eat in a surplus. So for example, you know, in my macro mentorship program where I certify macro coaches through the National Academy of Sports Medicine, what I ended up doing was taking um, research and then clinical application of me coaching clients since 2014. And then I ended up creating our own um, proprietary information or formulas of how to actually calculate macros down to the gram for our clients. And so what I was doing, you know, over the past four or five years before I created this certificate, I was calculating the macros for our clients. I brought on co-coaches, trained them, taught them, and then I created a national certificate so that we could start teaching coaches globally. But typically it's going to end up being whether you're in a deficit, maintenance, or surplus Protein for most people is going to be about 10 to 35% of their daily calories. It's also going to be about 45 to 65% of their carbs as their daily calories. And then um, the AMDR, which is the acceptable macro distribution range, again, that's AMDR, um, they recommend 20 to 35% of your daily calories as fat. I recommend actually more um, kind of a skewed range of 25% 
plus. And that's really to make sure that you're getting enough fat to create, to help with um, hormone and the natural steroids in the body that are produced, you know, men, women, testosterone, estrogen, all of that stuff. But I like to go higher in the fats to make sure that people are having a high enough range. But what we do is we actually calculate down to the gram and we fall within those ranges, but we don't do set percentages. And that's because as your calories change, if you do percentages, the ratios are actually skewing as the calories go up. And so if your calories go up, you have these huge jumps, but that may not actually mitigate the response that you're wanting in the individual. And so that's why you'll see um, things like clients needing to eat 0.5 to 2 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight. So we actually like to go off their body weight, their neat activity, their lifting, their body fat percentage, and then all of the other um, like daily lifestyle things when we actually calculate down to the gram. But when you do that math, most people, men and women, will never fall below 90 grams of fat per day. Most men and women never ever should be eating under 100 grams of carbs per day. And then fats for women should never be under 40. For men, they should not be over 60, under 60 grams of fat per day. So I know sometimes when people hear that number and they're like, oh, 100 grams of carbs minimum. And I mean, for like the most petite woman, um, you need that for healthy thyroid function. And so I think a lot of people that are like trying their own hand at like making their own macros, they hear about the keto profile, which is typically 25 to 35 grams of carbs. And so when they're like, I'm not going to do keto, but I'm going to kind of just do my own thing because keto has put those numbers out there. There are a lot of people trying to only eat 50 grams of carbs per day and they're quitting on day five because they just can't do it. And they shouldn't be able to do it. It's a really, really low um, and risky way to drop your carbs that low. Yeah, agreed. And it's hard to do that, though, because mm-hmm. your body starts to crave them. Yes. You get the headaches, the fatigue, um, the ir- irritability. You're ruining your relationships. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? Your work really starts to suffer. Your workouts suck. Um, but a lot of people, when they hear, you know, no matter age, size, you know, height, weight, sex, never eating under 100 grams of carbs, they're floored because in their head, they've been taught with bad diets and like the magazines they see when they check out to eat low carb or no carb. Right. What was the name of that diet before? Uh, Atkins? Yeah, Atkins diet was a low carb diet as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people were losing a lot of weight. And so same with keto. But one thing about keto that bothers me the most is the fact that if you don't have a gallbladder and nobody tells you this, there's no, I mean, you're not going to pick up a magazine and see keto. Oh, hey, by the way, do you have a gallbladder? You know, yeah. and let's face it. Most people that are overweight have had their gallbladder removed at some point. Yeah. Because or a lot of people do the diet and discover that they really are in need of having their gallbladder right. removed. And this diet just sets everything off because that's when they start having the high levels of fat, higher levels of cholesterol, the buildup of right. deposits. Um, or they discover they've got, you know, gallstones that they've been living with, but it just took 
you know, them being pushed over the edge with that diet and then here they go. Right. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. That's a, that's a big pet peeve of mine. Cause I'll be like, Hey, wait a minute. Do you have a gallbladder? <laughs> no, we don't. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's sad, but it's true. All right. Let's dive into a couple terms that I really enjoyed reading about on your website and your Instagram. Reverse dieting and flexible dieting. Oh, those are my favorite things. <laughs> so flexible dieting is just an approach to food choices and balance when it comes to tracking macros. So, you know, even when I first started tracking macros seven, eight years ago, I took everything that I knew nutrition-wise in the way of clean eating and applied it to macro tracking. And so I went from, you know, eating clean and calorie counting and washing portions to tracking macros and eating clean. And I got bored just like most people. You know, I was eating everything clean, no processed foods, not eating out. I did it for nine months straight. And just like anybody, you get to the point, if you cut out all the fun foods and no eating out, when you eventually have the Oreos or you go to the Italian restaurant, it kind of sends you on a spiral of, man, this stuff tastes good. I can't stop myself from wanting it. You want it again. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to try this flexible dieting. I'm going to do the 80-20 method where you're eating only 80% clean and then 20% fun. So basically, you know, 80% of your calories, your macros, your food choices are the cleaner, unprocessed things, your fruits, your vegetables, your rice, your chicken, you know, cooking everything at home. The other 20% becomes like the Oreos or the Snickers bar or the potato chips or um, tortilla chips, depending on how you classify those in your mind. But basically that 20% of foods that people think of as like cheat items, or maybe it's the one or two meals out per week or, you know, whatever your thing is that you love. I shifted from 100% clean eating to flexible dieting, and I got the same, if not better, results focusing on 80-20. And that was because of the flexible dieting, my relationship and my mindset changed with food because I started viewing food as macros, like their protein, their carbs, and their fats. When potato chips come into your body, your body doesn't know, you know, when it hits your palate and it's going through, you know, your digestive tract and bloodstream, are those potato chips or are those organic tortilla chips or is that brown rice or is it white rice? When you're thinking thinking about it in the way of protein, carbs, fats, and calories. And so I started to realize I didn't have to be tied to a mindset of just dieting and I could work in chocolate every day. You know, not a you know huge amount, but I could work in a few pieces of chocolate, two or three Oreos. I can go to the coffee shop and eat the donut or maybe I split it with my husband or my son or whatever. But I realized I could get the same physical goal, maintain all of this weight loss and still have the balance and not have to tell myself I can only eat at home and eat clean forever. And so I did my last figure competition eating chocolate every single day. Um, I blogged about it. I talked about it. Um, ended up getting nationally qualified in my uh, master's uh, figure competition that year, but I ate clean all the way through on my figure uh, prep. And so that was like my way of showing people, yes, you can still have this stuff, 
But if you're still staying within your macro goals and your calorie goals, being cognizant of your fiber intake, take your multivitamin, your probiotic, exercise, walk, lift, you can still have the balance and not feel like you have to punish yourself for the rest of your life with a clean eating mentality only. Because as most of us know, like it's not a balanced lifestyle to go, okay, I'm giving up chocolate for the rest of my life. Or I can never have a beer again. I can never have a margarita. But I started creating um, all of our programming as flexible nutrition so people could learn how to do this forever and eventually intuitively do macros without tracking every single thing as a clean eating item. Awesome. What about reverse dieting? Uh, reverse dieting is definitely like a platform that I stood on all of 2020 and just like preached, you know, to the North, the South, the East and the <laughs> West about. So reverse dieting definitely gets misunderstood. People think it's a new fad diet, but reverse dieting is not the diet. It's actually the post diet. So when you diet, you go into a calorie deficit, you're eating less than your total daily energy expenditure. But what happens after the diet is you actually need a game plan um, to get your calories back up in attempts to maintain weight. Uh, most people go on a diet, whether it's solo or coached by a coach, and after it ends, they just go back to eating however they ate three, four, five, six months ago. There's no plan in place, and a lot of people gain weight back. Reverse dieting is strategically raising your calories over time, um, you know, adjusting your calories every couple of weeks after you've gotten to that goal weight or body composition and bringing calories back up to maintenance to actually help rebound your metabolism. So it's basically the maintenance, you know, phase that you go into after dieting to get back up to that calorie intake that you should be at. Okay. What about carb cycling? Carb cycling, I love it. Um, I just love carbs in general. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? I'm like carbohydrate queen. Right. So carb cycling is a way of basically flexing your calories and or carbohydrates through the week. So most people, even if they're on a program that allows them to have, you know, a little bit of fun foods here and there, it's sustainable. A lot of people get tired of eating the same amount of calories every day um, because they may have events on the weekend, like weddings or trips or anniversaries or celebrations, or a new restaurant opens up around the corner and you're like, man, I want that, but it's higher than the calorie intake or macros that I need every day. And so um, carb cycling or calorie cycling is where you actually take the amount of carbohydrates you should be eating seven days a week and shift some down three um, to five days a week and then have the other days higher, but the whole week averages to the same goal. Um, so kind of to like make an example, and this math may not add up because I'm just like saying off the top of my head, let's say a woman's on a diet and she's supposed to be eating 170 grams of carbs every single day. She can actually get the same calorie deficit, the same 
you know, result physically, weight-wise and everything by maybe having five days a week where she's lower and eats 150 grams of carbs per day, and then maybe two days higher at 200 grams of carbs per day. But the average for the week with the five lower and two higher still um, equal the 175. But the day with 200 grams of carbs allows for her to go to the new restaurant around the corner or try the new whatever donut when she's going to like the local coffee shop or having a double serving of rice or more potatoes or whatever on that day. But you get the same average for the week. You're just flexing where the days are higher and lower so you can plan for bigger meals by having some days that are just a little bit smaller. Um, It also helps, and it's not just like, you know, having variety of calories, but it helps with um, resetting your thyroid. So when you're in a deficit and you're losing weight, having a lower amount of carbs eventually starts to kind of run out the gas in the tank of your thyroid. And when you have higher days, having more carbohydrates actually resets your thyroid and brings its activity or it's like functionality up. And so the high carb days are actually giving your thyroid a break from dieting so that you can go back into the deficit and it feels ready to help you release the weight, bringing that efficiency of your thyroid up. Let's talk about uh, cheat meals a minute. Mm -hmm. And there's two areas, cheat meals and starvation diet. So let's do cheat meals first. Yeah. So um, cheat meals or cheat days, they're definitely different just depending on like the extreme of the person. Someone's cheat meal could be as many calories as someone else's day. So someone's cheat meal, you know, at a restaurant, appetizer, drink, and the entree might be 2000 calories. That's pretty close for me, like what it would be to maintain my weight because I'm, you know, smaller and more petite. And so um, the amount of calories you're consuming for your cheat day or cheat meal will kind of really, you know, give you the gauge of like, is this kind of going overboard? Is this a lot or a little? But a lot of people just have to have in mind that a day and a meal could end up doubling or tripling your normal daily calories, depending on what you choose. A lot of our clients, because they carb cycle and the calories go up to maintenance on the weekend, they will basically track the kind of cheat, you know, choosing or choice type of foods in those higher day calories um, coming from carbs, fats, and protein and don't feel like they need to cheat. If our clients get to the point where they're like, man, I've been at this five weeks. I just want to have a day where I'm not tracking, um, just have fun, you know, not just focus on the scale and weighing and tracking everything. One day is not going to kill someone. We just say, hey, let's do a day where everything is untracked. Um, Make sure you have like a big, savory, nice meal that you want that you would consider a cheat. And then we just have them get back on track on Monday. Um, So we build the cheats in with the higher calorie days. But if they're like psychologically because of work and relationships and then hormones feeling like I just need to eat more and not feel like I'm dieting today, we just schedule it in. We're not the type of coaches that are like, okay, if you do that, you're going to lose all your progress. Everything we work for is gone. That's never going to happen to someone in just a single day. When I'm intuitively eating, I will eat at maintenance through the week, Monday through Friday, and then I'll do cheat meals or untracked days on the weekend just for like mental balance. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about 
before we close out here, if you're a vegan mm-hmm. or a vegetarian, you know, like us meat eaters, you know, it's like, okay, I can, you've got chicken, you got steak, you got fish for all kinds of protein. So it's a little bit trickier when you're not eating meats. So how does a, somebody that's a vegan or vegetarian get the high protein Yeah. So definitely the first thing that I want to say is that a lot of people who are plant-based or vegan um, and aren't eating like true dairy and meat and, you know, fish and poultry sources, when they hear about like macro tracking, they're like, oh, I can't do it because I'm a vegan. My husband was plant-based and he's 280-ish pounds and he was eating 160 grams of protein per day. And so it really comes down to being intentional. Um, So it's really being aware of what you're eating and making more intentional choices when you're plant-based to be able to get that protein in. Um, But it's definitely achievable. For people who are plant-based, they're going to want to eat at least 40% of their body weight in protein. And so they're going to have to do things like getting it from higher protein, non-meat sources. So of course, like the easy one is going to be like your plant-based protein powders, which will help you get that protein in. Um, But you're going to want to have other sources that are going to be like seitan, um, pumpkin seeds, um, oatmeal, oats, edamame, um, and other things that have pea protein in them, but making sure you're getting a mixture of those things in your food choices to be able to get it up. Also, lentils, beans, nut butters, those are also going to be protein-based choices. They're going to have anywhere from um, about eight grams of protein on up to help people get to that daily protein goal. And then tofu, that's another big one. Tofu is a big one. All right, let's talk about taking a nutrition label because as much as I hate processed food, it's out there. Mm-hmm. And some of it's pretty yummy. I try and avoid the stuff with a lot of chemicals in it. Well, mm-hmm. how do you break down a nutrition label into, into macros? Without, I mean, it's going to be hard doing this without a video, but how do you walk somebody through it and break it down a nutrition label into macros? Yep, absolutely. So when it comes to your nutrition label, some of your biggest areas to look on are like at the top, it's going to be calories that you'll see first. Underneath the calories, one of the most important areas that people neglect is the serving size. So take like a bag of jalapeno Cheetos. And I say that because I love them. That's like one of my like things. I love jalapeno Cheetos. On that bag, depending on is it like the, you know, single serve and I'm doing doing air quotes because it's not usually just one serving, um, or is it the mid-sized bag or the big bag? The mid-sized bag typically has three and a half servings. So when you see the calories of like 180 or whatever it is, it's not for the whole bag. You multiply the calories by the number of servings that are right under the label. Um, So some things like I've got in front of me this Gatorade Zero that's zero calories. It says the serving size is one bottle. Um, But some of those like 20-ounce Pepsis or Mountain Dews 
those, those are two servings. So if that serving is 180 and there's two, that whole bottle, that box, container, whatever is you're looking at, it's 180 times two. So calories at the top, and then you want to look at how many servings. And then at the top, it's going to be fat, and they're going to, it's going to be there in bold. Carbohydrates will be about three lines down. It's going to be in bold. Um, and protein is the most important, but it's last on the label. It's going to be in bold, and it'll tell you the number of grams there. Um, so those are going to be your five like major pieces. Next, you're going to be wanting to look at fiber and sugar and sodium to see what those look like. But when it comes down to macros, the protein, carbs, and fats that are there on in bold are actually multiplied to get to the calorie number on the label. So every gram of protein is four calories. Every gram of carbohydrates is four calories. And then every gram of fat, which is more calorically dense, is nine calories. So if there's a one gram of protein on the label, one times four would be four calories. There's two grams of carbs, uh, two times four would be eight calories from carbohydrates. If there are three grams of fat on the label, because one gram of fat has nine calories, three grams times nine is going to be 27 grams of fat or sorry, 27 calories of fat. So that's where the, all the additions and the adding come up from on a label. Okay. Okay. Now, before we go, what would you like to leave the listeners with before we close out? Ooh, this is good. <laughs> so one of the things I would probably say is like a lot of people probably look at your weight loss and my weight loss and they think like, man, they've lost like more than a hundred pounds. Like it, it had to be so easy for them. And it wasn't, you know, I tried like 22 different diets. Mm -hmm. um, I had so many failures. It really came down to what can I do consistently? Cause I like it. I love it for me to actually stop quitting. Um, so I definitely wasn't lucky. I I'm sure you weren't lucky. It really came down to sustainability and discipline. So like to get started doing everything, you're excited, you're motivated, you're inspired. Like maybe you go out and buy new tennis shoes, new workout clothing that makes you feel good. Um, you go to the grocery store and you feel empowered because you're buying like quinoa and olive oil. But when Monday comes, sometimes that motivation just goes. And you and I got here because of discipline. And so we did all the things we didn't want to do when we, you know, wanted to do other things. And so, yes, you're going to get motivated, but it's fleeting. It's going to disappear. Um, losing weight is hard. And to be able to get to that end point, it's really just going to come down to discipline. And you have to know that you're probably going to fall off here and there, but it's picking yourself back up and continuing to go when you don't feel like it. Like yeah. that is where you really see those results. Yeah, hundred percent agree with that. And I've even been suffering with this COVID thing myself because when COVID started, we were at the end of winter. So this is first. This is the first real winter through this whole thing. Yep. And not a very good winter here in Atlanta. It was a little bit colder than normal. People say I'm crazy, but I, I don't remember. I usually we had warmer days sprinkled in, but we didn't really have any warm days sprinkled in this winter. We had a lot of rainy days mm -hmm. and I kind of lost motivation. My pants still fit, which is good, but I've gained a little pooch mm -hmm. and it's kind of bumming me out. 
And I haven't been very disciplined at going to the gym because of other things going on in my life. So I've been kind of, it's like now April's coming. It's like, okay, paddleboard season's coming. I got to lose this pooch. Mm -hmm. So now it's time to get busy and it's time to get focused and, and go back to it. But it's hard. It's never easy. This is never easy. Right. And it's easy gaining weight, but it's not easy coming off. So it's 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 always a challenge. It's always a work in progress. And I'm I'm gonna try the macro accounting this time around because that's something I haven't done. I usually mm-hmm. stuck to a calories in, calories out, which mm-hmm. I hate to say, but I did it. You know, I you know, and I've tried like yourself, I've tried everything under the sun. I mean, mm-hmm. I've tried Nutrisystems, I've tried multi-level marketing companies, I've tried I just ended up kind of with a Mediterranean paleo type of thing mm-hmm. because of the oils and because of the fats and Mediterranean and then the meats and the paleo. Yeah. So, and, but I'm going to try this. I'm going to start this in April, which is tomorrow and see where, see what I can do for spring. But uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here today. One question I have, or one other thing, where can people find you? I'm on your website right now, which is an amazing website. There's some great stuff on here. And I forgot to mention this, but you also coach coaches mm-hmm. through macros. Yep. So if there's any health coaches, which I have a few that listen to me, listening to this, you also have a program for them. I know there's precision nutritions out there and they're pretty macro-based, but you have a a, a program for coaches like myself to coach macros. Yep. Yeah. So it's actually like a four month mentorship with business coaching, nutrition coaching, and then you get a certification through AFA and the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost like mentorship meets certificate because we have like a uh, really um, intimate level of coaching with our coaches that go through this program. So it's not self-paced where you go through and you just figure it out. Um, We're coaching our coaches Monday through Friday every single week in this program. Okay, good. And that's something that Precision Nutrition doesn't do, I'll have to say. They hand you the books and you're on your own. Yeah. So... (laughs) Because I've got the books. But yeah, anybody can find me um, at gtransformationacademy.com. And then on Instagram, I'm on there every single day. I do tons of like nutrition and science and macro-based infographics. You guys can find me there at Eve underscore Fitchick. Yep. And uh, yeah, I like your Instagram account. Thanks. And I, so that was one thing I found out I, when I do these. I, I learned something new every time I do one of these. And, mm-hmm. and, and I learned when I started watching, looking at your Instagram, like, oh man. And that's something I'm terrible at. As a, as a person in this business, Instagram bothers me. <laughs> and now they've got all those goofy real things. Or I don't even know what they, how do they make a real? I don't know. Do you know how to make a real? Yeah, you do them on your Instagram stories and then you upload them to your main feed. It definitely okay. takes some playing around with to get the hang of it. And I don't, I just don't have time for it. I'm sorry. It's just a lot. It's like, okay, and your website's amazing. And there's a quiz for people who want to do the nutrition and coaching business side. There's also a quiz for people that want to lose the weight. So yep. one thing before we go is 
And I ask this, it has nothing to do with health and wellness or fitness or nutrition. But if Eve had 30 to 45 minutes to kill, what album or artist would you put on to, to chill out to or would dance to? Or whatever you're in the mood for, what album or artist would you put on? I really like Anthony Hamilton. Ah, a interesting. Lot. Yes. Me and my husband have been listening to him for years and years. Yes. I love Anthony Hamilton. All of his music tells some type of story. Um, so that would be it. Anthony Hamilton. Anthony Hamilton. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to have to listen, look that up after we're done here. I'm not familiar with him. It's very soulful. um, Very soulful, like storytelling. And he's amazing in concert. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'll keep that in mind. All right. Thank you very much. And I appreciate, like I said, I appreciate you reaching out to me to be on here. It's amazing to have you. And I love what you're doing for the keep doing it for the health of our country. It needs to be helped right now, so. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.